Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Bless you, bless you saints God be with you in these days. I want to share an important message with you. This is one of those days where everything just kind of came together. Everything that was sent to me seemed to all point in the same direction. It was pretty neat. The Lord um, sent me about five words, and all of them were related. It's pretty neat how the Lord does that. Nobody knows that they're sending something somebody else is, you know. But it all kind of pointed in the right direction, you know. And I'm going to start out with um, a short revelation here, and then I want to share a whole bunch of word with you. And Don Laughlin sent me a uh, revelation that he got back in uh, January of 94. Why he sent it at this time? Well, because God put it in his heart to do that. And it certainly fits with everything I was receiving. It's all about a detention camp. I'll just read what he sent. He said, uh, in in January the 12th of 94, I had a dream in which the Lord told me to go and anoint a detention camp. Well, Don means world ruler. And I don't know if you know this, but the Lord has ordained his man-child to be a world ruler. So this could have something to do with this. And uh, he anoints the camp in this revelation. And uh, the camp, I believe, represents um, beast bondage. And it is coming to God's people for their good. Of course, many have a a very pet doctrine of theirs that they're all going to fly away, they're never going to see the beast, etc., etc. Hey, you're seeing the beast every day, saints. <laughs> and, the, and nobody escaped the beast um, in the early scriptures history just keeps on repeating you know i mean people will escape the wrath of the beast but nobody's going to escape being around the beast some are going to be under the beast so and i'm going to continue with what don was saying here he said it was to be a place where many christians would suffer in their bodies putting an end to sin oh that is so scriptural Don gives a verse, 1 Peter 4, 1, For as much then as Christ suffered in the flesh, arm ye yourselves also with the same mind. Now, many people don't believe they're supposed to suffer in the flesh. In fact, if they suffer a little bit in the flesh, they won't consider it God's will at all. And that's one reason they won't depart from sin, is because they don't want to suffer in the flesh to do God's will. They won't, they won't sacrifice anything to be in the will of God. And that's the reason they're not going to escape the beast, because the beast is going to make sure you suffer in the flesh, and you'll be very careful to please God when this happens. Okay? For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. The rest of 1 Peter 4, 1 says, 4, 2, that you no longer should live the rest of your time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Isn't that what God wants? 
He wants you to live according to His will, to walk in the Spirit. The beast is going to be your helper to make sure you do that. Unless, of course, you're doing that ahead of time, you know. Uh, He goes on to say, After anointing the camp, I was to run away as fast as I could. (laughs) Yes, saints, I would suggest you run from these camps, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, but run from these camps as fast as you can. Um, The only part I saw in the dream was me looking down upon myself, running down a path or a road as fast as I could. So I have no idea what the camp looked like or where in the camp I did the anointing. I believe that this is represents the worldwide camp of beast bondage that's anointed and ordained to bring repentance and purity to God's people. Praise God. Saints, whatever you got to go through to get into the kingdom, to walk in the kingdom before you leave this place, because this is where you enter the kingdom. You don't enter the kingdom when you die. You must enter it now. If you don't enter it now, you won't go there when you die. And Don has a comment. He said there there is a, a warning here for Christians to get their lives in order before the Lord so they can enjoy the Lord's protection for whatever dangers there are in the future, and avoid, if possible, places like this. Yes, you can escape through holiness, and this is what the Scripture teaches. So I got another um, short revelation here from uh, Deb Horton, sent to me at the same time. And she says, For the past few days I keep getting uh, repeated in my mind this phrase, For I watch over my word to perform it. But I didn't know it was for UBM. Sorry. And I told Care about it on Friday, so I have a witness. Okay, well, we believe you. (laughs) And this phrase is from uh, Jeremiah 1 and 12. Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I watch over my word to perform it. Okay, so what word will the Father watch over to perform, and how will he do this? Well, I'm going to share the text with you so that you can understand that word right there. And looking at the text leading up to it, you can tell very plainly what he's talking about. And uh, so here's the text with some interpretation. Jeremiah 1 and 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were at Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Josiah, of course, was a reformer. He was a type of the man-child and a reformer. In the thirteenth year of his reign, thirteen meaning rebellion, right? It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, which was the apostate rebel leadership, right? The son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. So the rebellion, of course, led to captivity to the beast. 
And uh, this will be unto the beast captivity of God's apostate people. And uh, verse 4, Now the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I have appointed thee a prophet unto the nations. I believe that Jeremiah here is a type of the man-child, and I think we'll see that even more so as we go on. Okay, so he is the one prophesying this. And as you know, God uses prophecies, spoken words, going forth to bring things to pass. It was by man that the world fell into sin, and it will be through man that God delivers this world. He has chosen to do that. And uh, he chooses us to speak to the mountains, doesn't he? And he brings them to pass. He said, Command ye me concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. We speak it, and God brings it to pass. That's his desire. Okay, verse 6. Then said I, Ah, Lord, behold, I know not how to speak, for I am a child. In other words, the Lord was sending him, and he's making excuses. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for to whomsoever I send thee, thou shalt go, and whatsoever I shall command thee, thou shalt speak. In other words, I'm going to give you the words, what you're worried about. This is the same conversation that God had with Moses, the man-child. Jeremiah said he didn't know how to speak, and God said, Fear not, I will speak through you. <laughs> Jeremiah represents the man-child here, and uh, he's just uh, showing you a, a, a duplicate type here so you can understand. So God said, Be not afraid because of them, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord, as he will the man-child. They will definitely try to harm the man-child. As a matter of fact, the, the dragon uh, has to take out, or according to Revelation 12, the dragon tries to take out the man-child after birth, but before being caught up to the throne anointing. And and in so doing, he is attempting, according to Revelation 12 again, to take control over the woman. Okay, but that ain't going to happen, because the anointing of the man-child is going to bring the woman into the wilderness. And you know, the Lord said he was going to come to us as the rain, as the latter rain that waters the earth. That's where the, the latter rain anointing first comes, is on the man-child. And it's for the purpose of causing that woman to escape and go into the wilderness and be fed of them there. And uh, verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. And what for? Well, as we read on, you're going to see it's to release a sword against God's people to bring them to repentance. Hmm. The man-child does that too. He does that too. He saves the woman by the grace of God that's in him, and he also chastens the woman. And uh, let's see, verse 10. See, I have this day set thee over the nations. So there's that world ruler again, right? And over the kingdoms to pluck up and to break down and to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Listen to all the things that the man-child is going to do here. Pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow, build and plant. 
Very interesting. And the next verse is chapter 1 and verse 11. That's 111. You know what that stands for? That's the gematria for the man-child. In fact, let's see. I'm going to share something with you here. Well, just going to give you examples, I guess. Um, the man-child in Revelation 12 is many times the the uh, skip sequence code in there, the gematria for texts there in Revelation 12 in quite a few places about the man-child is 111. And for the for Jesus, too, as the man-child, it is 111, because you know Jesus is coming in the man-child. And uh, anyway, I'm not going to go too deep into that. I'm just going to continue on. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod. I believe the Lord spoke to me when I got to this right here that the the rod of my son is what he spoke to me. And that's in Ezekiel 21 and 10, which we will look at in just for a moment. I see a rod of an almond tree. An almond is a first fruits. So you, some people wonder why this little phrase is sticking right in the middle of all this and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, it does. It does when you stop and meditate on it, let God speak to you. This is the rod of his son, the first fruits. Okay. So here's uh, Ezekiel 21 and 10, where a, a context, in context actually, where uh, the rod of my son is spoken. Because it's he's, he said this in order to connect it with another context here. Alright. Alright. Ezekiel 21 and 8 says this, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, there it is, Jesus manifested in his man-child body, right? In this case, Ezekiel, who, as you know, was caught up to the throne, too, to be a type of the man-child. And God called him all through Ezekiel, son of man, like, like Jesus was called son of man. Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, say, A sword, a sword is sharpened and is also furbished. It is sharpened that it may make a slaughter. It is furbished that it may be as lightning. Shall we then make mirth? In other words, are you rejoicing? Um, You folks that um, he may be talking about here, you shouldn't be rejoicing. You need to be crying out to the Lord. The rod of my son, it contemneth every tree. So the rod of God's Son will speak judgment on God's people through the man-child who speaks not for Christianity, quote-unquote, but God. He's not on anybody's side. It's kind of like when Joshua asked the angel of the Lord, are you for us or against us? He says, no, I'm I'm working for the Lord. (laughs) Whatever the Lord wants is what he was saying, you know. So that's the man-child. He's not... And that's why man-childs through the Scriptures were hated of God's people. Hated, including the Lord Jesus. Hated of God's people. Because He wasn't on their side. Hey, wait a minute. We're supposed to be on God's side. Whatever He says goes. If it's judgment, well, that goes. And as you can see, the man-child will bring judgment. And it was given to be furbished, that it may be handled. The sword 
It is sharpened, yea, it is furbished, to give it into the hand of the slayer. Ooh. In other words, authority is given to the beast to conquer God's rebellious people. That's what this text is all about. And uh, verse 12. Cry and wail, son of man. There it is again, son of man. For it is upon my people. The sword has been sharpened for God's people. Yes, many people are going to be put to death in the coming days. They'll have to lose their life in order to gain their life. They'll have to not deny the Lord, too. It's upon all the princes of Israel. They are delivered over to the sword with my people. Smite, therefore, upon thy thigh. For there is a trial, or you might say a tribulation. And what if the rod that contemneth shall be no more? In other words, what if you could do away with the rod of my son, because people have tried that all through the scriptures. The type in the shadow is there, and it's happening now, again. Even the rod that contemneth shall be no more. What? So, God is doing what is necessary for God's people. The, the prophets who represented the man-child did what was necessary for God's people to be saved, and yet they tried to kill him, and did. Okay. So what if the rod shall be no more? Huh. You think that'll be an advantage? Absolutely not. Says the Lord. Thou therefore, son of man, prophesy and smite thy hands together and let the sword be doubled the third time. Had had a few things spoken to me over the years concerning this text, what this doubled the third time could mean. Uh, A third world kingdom to conquer God's people like Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon, the type and shadow here is Babylon, the third world kingdom. And likewise, uh, world wars, one and two, brought new world orders, the League of Nations and the United Nations. And World War Three will bring the tribulation dragon of Revelation 12. So this is the third time. And a sword will come against God's rebellious leadership and his people this time. And then he goes on to say, the sword of the deadly wounded. It's the sword of the great one that is deadly wounded, which entereth into their chambers. I have set the threatening sword against all their gates. He's talking about his people and their leadership. The great one meaning the head all the way down to the tail, right? All the way to the feet. I have set the threatening sword against all their gates, that their heart may melt. In other words, that they might fear the Lord. And their stumblings be multiplied. Ah, it is made as lightning. It is pointed for slaughter. This is a really hard word the Lord is speaking against his people, but the things that have been are the things that shall be. Do you want to escape? This is the only time you're going to be able to do it. Okay, so let's go back to our Jeremiah text. I pointed that out because God was pointing it out in that text, okay? In Jeremiah 1 and 12, Then said the Lord unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I watch over my word to perform it. Hmm, there it is. So that's what he's saying. Well, that's, to some people, well, that's not good news. (laughs) But it is good news because... 
God's people don't know. They have to lose their life to gain their life, and they're not willing to do it. So the beast is coming to help them. The beast is coming in particularly for those that refuse to lose their life in order to help them. God is merciful. For I watch over my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a boiling cauldron, and the face thereof is from the north. Well, the beast always came from the north to make war against God's people in the Scriptures. So, uh, 1 in 14. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdom of the north, that's the, and in these days, that's the seven-headed beast kingdom. All of those previous heads are all, all of their seed are local, are in this head, which is the dragon, seven head, to make war against the saints, right? Says the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem here represents the apostate leadership of God's people today. Yep. And against all the walls thereof, round about, everything that they think is protecting them from the beast. And against all the cities of Judah. Yep, all the spirit-filled people too. They have particularly fallen astray since having the Spirit of God they should know better and have the power to do better. And I will utter my judgments against them touching all their wickedness in that they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods. Other Elohim is the word there. It's the same name for our God, right? And worship the works of their own hands. Well, amen. Look at all these goofy denominations out there, man. They are just so idolatrous that they're putting, setting up something to, to take the place of the kingdom of God that's identified in the Scriptures. Thou therefore gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at them, lest I dismay thee before them. In other words, the Lord was saying, Man-child, be strengthened to do battle against the apostates, and pay no attention to their disapproval. Just speak what I say. That's what the Lord was saying. For behold... I have made thee this day a fortified city. A city is a congregation of people, isn't it? And so is the man-child. And an iron pillar. That's pretty tough, isn't it? And brazen walls against the whole land. Against the kings of Judah. Oh, the man-child is against the kings of Judah? Yeah. Against the princes thereof. Against the priests thereof. And against the people of the land. So that's just as it was when Jesus was strengthened to come against the entrenched Pharisees who warred against him and the people under him too. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Oh, praise be to God. So what do we do? Well, Merlene Laughlin received this word this morning. Uh, Nehemiah 9 and 2. And the seed of Israel separated themselves, which means sanctified themselves, from all foreigners, 
And, and this is happening right now from foreigners. You know, there are people in the body that, that do not look like the Son. Now, these are foreigners. Whether they claim to be Christians or not makes no difference. Their actions are different than Jesus's. They're, they are different. And stood and confessed their sins. So I think we're in this process right now. But this part needs to be done. And stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Confession of sins always brings the grace of God in deliverance and healing, etc. Salvation in many forms, right? And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord, their, their God, a fourth part of the day. Ooh, they're spending some time in the Word, aren't they? Humility uh, to the Word brings mercy from God. See, they've been ignoring the Word. So this is what you got to do. You want to escape? Do these things. Confess your sins. Study the Word, right? And another, fourth part, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Oh, worship and praise, too. It's, it's glorifying God. It's faith in action, etc., etc., right? So... They confessed their sins of their fathers, which they inherited through the blood, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, the Bible says. And uh, 9 and 13 says, Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right ordinances, and true laws, and good statutes, and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, in other words, the rest, the ceasing from your works, to rest in God by faith, right? And commandest them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses thy servant, Moses the man-child. And that's being repeated to our in our day too. And gave us them uh, bread from heaven for their hunger and brought us forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And commandest them that they should go in to possess the land or take dominion over the flesh. In other words, right? Which thou hast sworn to give them. Yep, God told us he would give us this body to rule over it. And uh, it would be in submission to the spiritual man, just like the Israelite going into the promised land and taking it and taking that house and ruling and, and living in that house, raising their own crops, not the flesh man. But... They and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their neck. And, and there is nothing new under the sun. It's the same with the church today. And hearken not to thy commandments. How, many, how much time do you spend in God's commandments, saints? There are more important things than doodling around in the world, right? Watching the boob tube and all the other stuff that God's people choose to do. And refused to obey... Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their neck, and their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. Oh boy, are they doing that. For they loved the flesh pots of Egypt, where they were ruled over and fed by the carnal man, right? Let's go back to the flesh pots. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, and forsookest them not. Yea, when they had made them a molten calf, and said, This is thy God that brought thee up out of Egypt, and had wrought great provocations. 
So they made their own Jesus after their own likeness who smiled upon their sinful lives. You couldn't convince these people that God don't like what they're doing. They live after the flesh, they ignore His Word, and they think that they've got the authority of God to rule over the righteous. Yet thou in thy manifold mercies forsookest them not in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud departed not from over them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go. Well, amen. And they confessed their sins, you know, and this is a good thing to do. If you want to escape, confess your sins. And uh, nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee. See, this is the confession of their sin right here. And cast thy law behind their back. They ignored the word just like they're doing it today. And slew thy prophets that testified against them to turn them again unto thee. And they wrought great provocations. What is a great provocation? Well, they slew the prophets. They sacrificed. They weren't satisfied just to walk away when they rebelled against the word of God. They had to silence the word at all cost. They had to kill the men who sacrificed their lives to bring them the word. You know, and at the same time as receiving this word, Merlin received Psalm fifty-five, twelve through nineteen, and it's all about this. And um, she received this word, Psalm fifty-five, twelve through nineteen, and then she closed her Bible because she was tired of hearing this, because we we have been getting this kind of stuff for a while. And so she asked for another word. She opened her Bible and put her finger down on the same verse. Now, don't tell me that's not God. God is sovereign over all things. And he wanted to make sure that she heard this again. Okay. Okay, I'll read it to you. Psalm 55 and 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me, then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my companion, my familiar friend. This is a prophecy, of course, about David, and about Jesus, and about the man-child. We took sweet counsel together. We walked in the house of God with the throng. Let death come suddenly upon them. Let them go down alive into Sheol. Now this is, of course, the narrator of the Bible speaking here. For wickedness is in their dwelling, in the midst of them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning, and at noonday, will I complain and moan, and He will hear my voice. He hath redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for they were many that strove with me. God will hear and answer them, even he that abideth of old. Selah. The men who have no changes, in other words, they haven't changed their ways, they're still the old man, and who fear not God, he hath put forth his hands against such as were at peace with him. 
he hath profaned his covenant. His mouth was smoother, smooth as butter, but his heart was war. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. And boy, I tell you, that just really hits home. We see this. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain thee. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. But thou, O God, wilt bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. Oh, praise be to God. Uh, Continuing on in the, the text there. Therefore, thou deliverest them into the hand of their adversaries. Oh, that's the reason, huh? Yep, he he had enough of them and their great provocations in killing their prophets. Who distressed them in the time of their trouble. When they cried unto thee, thou heardest from heaven. And according to thy manifold mercies, thou gave them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their adversaries. But after they had rest, they did evil again before thee. Therefore leftest, therefore leftest thou them in the hand of their enemies, so that they had the dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried unto thee, thou heardest from heaven. Many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies. And I believe that God has delivered people over to the beast for a long time now, on and off. And in other words, the old flesh, the wicked world, the people around them, whatever, you know. And testified against them, that thou mightest bring them again unto thy law. Yet they dealt proudly, and hearkened not to thy commandments. In other words, remember, this is still a confession of their sins, right? And their father's sins. But sinned against thine ordinances, which if a man do, he shall live in them. If you do God's ordinances, you will live in them. If you disregard them, uh, they will destroy you. Because, like God told Moses, I set before you this day a blessing and a cursing. It was a blessing if they obeyed, and a curse if it didn't. And they withdrew the shoulder, and hardened their neck, and would not hear. Yet many years didst thou bear with them, and testified against them by thy spirit through thy prophets. Yet would they not give ear. Therefore gavest thou them into the hand of the peoples of the land. In other words, to be ruled over and oppressed by the beast. So God's word is all coming true, folks. The things that have been are the things that shall be. So, so what do we do? What do we do to have God's blessing? Well, we walk in the light of God's word. Amen. You can't ignore the Word. You must obey the Word. This is what fruit is. So, on 6.16, I received this from Vicki Rimel, and she received verse 21. Uh, so shall you divide this land unto you according to the tribes of Israel. This is Ezekiel. 47. But 
She sent the whole text which shows us how to possess the promised land of the rest and the milk and the honey. In other words, the land of the blessings, right? Um, So I'm going to read the text to you and give a few notes. Ezekiel 47 and 1. And he brought me back unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house was towards the east. And the waters came down from under, from right, from the right side of the house, on the south of the altar. So, the word is the waters from the house of God, uh, the throne of God, to bring salvation and healing to the peoples. Then he brought me out by the way of the gate northward, and led me around by the way without unto the outer gate. So he led him around so he could see where these waters were going, right? Coming and going. By the way of the gate that looketh towards the east, and behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man went forth eastward with the line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits. And he caused me to pass through the waters, waters that were to the ankles. Now there's a lot of other stuff in here, but I'm, I'm making a point here. So what's the depth of the word that you walk in? I mean, uh, this is a simple point, I know, but it's, it's what we need to understand concerning what we're talking about. For a thousand cubits, they pass through waters to the ankles. Okay. And again he measured a thousand and caused me to pass through the waters, waters that were to the knees. You suppose this might be thirtyfold fruit of the waters walked in? Oh, well, well, it might fit. Again he measured a thousand and caused me to pass through the waters, waters that were to the loins. Hmm, sixtyfold fruit of the waters walked in. And afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. You know, the waters of baptism go over the head to put to death the mind of the flesh. I would say this is a hundredfold fruit of the waters walked in, right? Because if you keep on going, you're dead, right? And he said unto me, Son of man, there it is again. Isn't that awesome? The man child walking in hundredfold fruit. Hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the bank of the river. Now when I had returned, behold, upon the bank of the river were very many trees, on the one side and on the other. And these trees represent those who witness to bring the healing waters of the tongue to the peoples, just as we're going to see below. Then said he unto me, These waters issue forth towards the eastern region, and shall go down into the Arabah, and they shall go towards the sea. And he's talking about, of course, the Dead Sea, representing the dead peoples of the world. Into the sea shall the waters go, which were made to issue forth, and the waters shall be healed. Well, that's Never happened, has it? (laughs) So we're thinking about this is going to happen in the time of the man-child, isn't it? Praise God. Something that hadn't happened is is about to happen. 
And it shall come to pass that every living creature which swarmeth in every place whither the rivers come shall live. So that means a great revival of the word is coming, of the waters is coming, the waters of life. To, to, whom, to whom shall we go, Lord? Thou hast the words of life, right? And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, for these waters are come thither, and the waters of the sea shall be healed. The word and the understanding of the lost shall be cleansed. And everything shall live, whithersoever the river cometh. So, what does that mean? It means, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit that they that believed on him were to receive. John seven thirty eight and 39. See, those trees represent those people that speak that water and bring life to the nations. And it shall come to pass, we'll see that in a minute. It shall come to pass that fishers shall stand by it from Engedi even unto Eneglium shall be a place for the spreading of nets. Their fish shall be after their kinds as the fish of the great sea exceedingly many. So many evangelists will fish for these people that are of every kind all around the world and bring them into the kingdom. Something that's going to happen here. But the miry places thereof and the marshes thereof shall not be healed. They shall be given up to salt. The marshes and the miry places are the shallow water. You can't live in the shallow water. My friend Bob Accardi had an awesome dream about that, about the people dying, drowning in the shallow water end of a pool. Isn't that something? They were dying on the wrong end of the pool. They thought they were safe. But living waters are moving waters, according to the Scriptures. That's what it means, moving waters. Dead waters are stagnant waters, like the Pharisees walk in. It's a dead letter that they talk about, that they claim that they know, and you've got to do this and you've got to do that, but they don't live it. And Jesus said so. You put all these burdens on the people, but you don't touch them with your little finger. And you stand in the door, and you won't enter in, and you won't let them enter in either. And they will be reprobated like Lot's wife who turned to salt when she looked back. The living waters will be saved, but the miry places are given up to salt. Those people who walk in the shallow water, they're not going to make it. you got to go past that. you got to go to the 30-fold, the 60, the 100-fold. And by the river, upon the bank thereof, on this side and on that side, shall grow every tree for food. Every tree for food. Whose leaf shall not wither, neither shall the fruit thereof fail. It shall bring forth new fruit every month, because the waters thereof issue out of the sanctuary, and the fruit thereof shall be for food, and the leaf thereof for healing. Now that reminds you of Revelation 22, doesn't it? And who are these trees that uh, are bringing such fruit to the nations, you know, um, and uh, so on? Well, as Revelation 22 shows, the waters give life to the trees whose leaves are from the healing of the nations, or for the healing of the nations. 
So, Revelation 22 and 1, And he showed me a river of the water of life, bright as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God, which is where? In the house of God. And of the Lamb, in the midst of the street thereof. And on this side of the river, on that side, the tree of life. What's the tree of life? Proverbs 15 and 4, The healing of the tongue is a tree of life. In Hebrew, that's what it says. Bearing twelve manner of fruits, yielding its fruit every month, and leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. These trees represent those evangelists that are going to go forth, those witnesses that are going to go forth and speak the word that's going to bring life to the nations, life to the Dead Sea. And there shall be no curse anymore, because the waters of the word are to deliver us from the curse, if you obey them, right? And the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be therein, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, just like the little ones do, Jesus said, right? And his name shall be on their foreheads, in other words, the mind of the Spirit, his nature, character, and authority on their forehead, the mind of the Spirit. And there shall be night no more, and they shall need no lamp, no light of lamp, neither light of sun, for the Lord God shall give them light. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and um, the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And they shall reign forever and ever. So this is the reason we're coming to this place of eternal life, to reign, rule and reign with Christ. That's why we're going through what we're going through. And he said unto me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God, the spirits of the prophets, sent his angels to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. So, if we walk in the light of the water of the word, we will be blessed to take the land of rest. You know, God's promised land of milk and honey. If we continue to re rebel against the word, we will see a terrible Babylonish beast bondage. And the rest of this text all talks about the receiving the land. Thus saith the Lord, This shall be the border whereby you shall divide the land for inheritance according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And Joseph shall have two portions. So they divided the land to the twelve tribes by lot. Okay. And I'd like to point out to you, actually the last verse here, the rest of it's good, but uh, so shall you divide this land unto you according to the tribes of Israel, and it shall come to pass that you shall divide it by lot for an inheritance unto you and to the strangers that sojourn among you. Notice that. And to the strangers that sojourn among you, who shall beget children among you, and they shall be unto you as home-born among the children of Israel. They shall have inheritance with you among the tribes of Israel. I believe that these strangers could well be your lost loved ones who you are believing for and uh, that these people will come into the kingdom and they will inherit the land. And it shall come to, that, that is a promise to those that overcome, right? And it shall come to pass that in what tribe the stranger sojourners, there shall you give him his inheritance, says the Lord. Among us folks may be some people that we're responsible for uh, that are going to come into the kingdom. And uh, pretty neat, huh? Let me share one more revelation that was given to me. Rob Miller sent this uh, today. 
the broader church is about to go into the cat. He didn't know what I was putting this together. I had just put this together when my ringer went off on my computer, let me know I'd received an email. I looked over there, and this is what was there. The broader church is about to go into the captivity of the beast system to separate the wheat from the tares. Psalm 53 and 6. Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. That's where it's coming from, folks. Zion, the bride. The bride is going to bring to the church the salvation. Just as Jesus taught the bride, and they went forth and brought salvation to the people of God. And it goes on to say, When God bringeth back the captivity of his people, then shall Jacob rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Mm-hmm. The man-child among us will lead the way out of spiritual captivity, he says in Psalm 54 and 1. For the chief musician on stringed instruments, a mascal of David, when the Ziphites came and said unto Saul, Doth not David hide himself with us? Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me in thy might. Mm-hmm. They thought they could catch him, but they didn't. Pray fervently, Rob says. And he gives Psalm 54 and 2. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. Confess your sins, saints, and pray fervently so that you may receive mercy from God. And he goes on to say, The factious among us will rise up through the tribulation. Yep, Psalm 54 and 3. For strangers are risen up against me, and violent men have sought after my soul. They have not set God before them. Selah. Pause and think about this, right? The word sanctifies the soul, Rob said. And he gives Psalm 54 and 4. We're following verse after verse right on down. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is of them that uphold my soul. Oh, praise be to God. Thank you, Jesus. And he says the word will overcome for us and through us. Yep, Psalm 54 and 5. He will requite the evil unto mine enemies. Destroy thou them in thy truth. Yep, those evil principalities and powers that are using fleshly men that don't know what they're doing to come against and persecute and kill God's servants. And then he says, The name, the nature, character, and authority of the Lord brings the living sacrifice. And that's 54 and 6. With a free will offering will I sacrifice unto thee. I will give thanks unto thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Amen. A free will offering. Giving thanks unto God. Confess your sins and give thanks unto God. Give praise unto Him, right? Confess. What was, What did we see? Confess your sins. Read the Word. Study it diligently so you know what God wants. And then give praise to God. That's the things He, he spoke to them to cause them to escape. Which brings the deliverance from the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And that's 54 and 7. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble. Mm-hmm. And mine eye has seen my desire upon mine enemies. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Awesome that this all came together to let us know one thing. You can escape the beast. 
But just as history has brought the overwhelming majority of God's people through the time of the beast to be crucified, so God will do today. It just happens to be that God's people are not little Israel. They are worldwide spiritual, born again Israel, uh, circumcised in heart Israel. And so God is bringing a worldwide beast against his people. The whole world is going to, you know, you remember anti-Semitism, right? Well, this is going to be anti-Christianism. The whole world is going to have enough of apostate Christianity and the hypocrisy that goes with it. Not that they're right and they're righteous, they're the beast, but they're a whole lot bigger than the church is. And God designed it that way in order to put the fear of the Lord back in his people. And when they're under the sword, they're going to call upon the Lord, they're going to confess their sins, they're going to do what they refuse to do now. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody would just do what they're supposed to do? I know God would greatly rejoice. And uh, don't you want to be well-pleasing unto him, saints? Don't you want to confess your sins so he can bring forgiveness and deliverance to you? According to 1 John 1, 7 through 9. Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to repent and believe the word and submit to the word? Don't you want to find out what the word has to say? Don't you want to spend enough time in the word so that it can go into your mind and recreate in you the life of Jesus? So that it can come into you and give you a renewed mind. So you can be, what? Transformed, Paul said. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A transformed person doesn't have to worry about tribulation. Though they go through it, it's really not a trial. Because their flesh is dead, right? It's a real trial for those whose flesh is not dead. And that's why we go through crucifixions to bring us to death, right? So we, you know, dead men... Dead, dead men don't lie. Dead men don't sin. Dead men just turn the other cheek if you slap them on the one cheek. Dead men are just no trouble at all, right? And you really can't even kill them. So praise be to God. We need to be dead men. Because this is how the Lord told us we would enter into life. If we lost our life, we would gain our life. And submitting to the Word is our cross, saints. When you're in the midst of trials and troubles and tribulations and the Lord gives you His Word, submit to it because it restrains your flesh and when you restrain your flesh, it dies, right? That's the whole point. You restrain your flesh from going its own way because we always want to save ourselves, you know, from every predicament and every trouble. But the Lord doesn't permit it sometimes. And... um he brings us to crucifixions. Oh, praise be to God. And uh, we have to lose our life to gain our life. If we won't willingly take up our cross to deny old self so that self dies, then we'll have to go to a more physical cross in order for the old flesh to die, right? 
It's God's plan. He's pronounced it. And he's spoken these things in his word. The Bible says these things were spoken unto them for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come, right? Well, amen. So let's pray. Oh, dear Father, give us your mercy and your grace. Grant us, uh, grant us the grace to confess our sins, Lord. Come to you in repentance. Give up those things that we know are displeasing unto you now, while we still have time. Lord, uh, help us, Lord. Work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure, Father. Draw us unto yourself, Lord. Give us a joy to walk the crucified life, Lord. Let us bear our cross, O God. Be merciful with us, O God, in Jesus' name. Grant us your grace. Pour out your Spirit upon us, Lord. The anointing breaks the yoke of the old flesh and the devil and the world. Help us, O Lord, to do this. Father, we ask it in the name of Jesus. And we do thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace, Lord. Lord, um, make the things of this world and the temptations and the distractions just go away, Lord. And make them unimportant to us, Father, in the name of Jesus, so that we have time to get into your word and seek your will with all of our heart. And Lord, when the self-willed people out there that are doing their own things, seeking their own way, seeking to push their way around and things, Lord. Uh, grant them repentance, Father. Humble them, Father. Smite those demons, Father, in the name of Jesus. Set your people free. We know you're coming, Lord, to set your people free. Set the captives free, you said. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama 36123. My thirsting soul, pure as water, make me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. 